0: Hey BSN listeners, we're really excited to tell you about a game-changing coffee. Strava Craft Coffee can't make any claims, but this CBD-enriched coffee has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. So you got to check out Strava Craft Coffee. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It's decreased anxiety. You name it. CBD is all-natural. It's Not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2010BSN2018 at checkout and get it shipped straight to your door.
1: Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast, presented by Go.
2: Joined
0: by a special guest, Mason Plumlee. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in L.A. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You
1: should have taken a charge on him. Though, <laughs>
0: by Total Beverage. Right now, we got a really awesome deal going on for BSN listeners at Total Beverage. If you didn't know by now, Total Beverage is delivering beer, wine, and liquor anywhere in the North Metro area, from Wheat Ridge to Erie, all over the place. For a limited time, Total Beverage is also offering $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app if you use the promo code BSN10. Again, get that liquor delivered right to your door, with the Total Beverage website or app. I did it last week. Super easy, super reliable. Guy shows up right on your doorstep. But you got to use promo code BSN10 to save $10 off a $50 purchase for all your holiday parties. And again, have it delivered right to your door. Harrison went here. Wednesday edition of the show. I got Christian Clark to my left. I know I touched on the game a little bit on Tuesday's edition of the show. Late post game edition i recorded that late tuesday night early wednesday morning we're going to hit on some more notes from uh, this game and maybe look ahead to this upcoming road trip five gamer it's going to be tough for the nuggets for sure starting in portland on friday but just to go back to tuesday night we got a lot of questions we'll get to from the total beverage fan hotline throughout the show as well 117 85 over the lakers nuggets go to 14 and 7 on the year 9 and 3 at home before we jump to the bench Christian, I know that's the first thing we wanted to get to tonight. This game overall, I feel like there was kind of a weird vibe to it because once the Nuggets kind of opened up that lead in the third quarter, you could tell the Lakers kind of quit. Things were over. LeBron didn't really do much in this game. 14 points, just 5-15 shooting, 0-4 from the three. It was a minus 23 overall, a team worse, minus 23 from the Lakers. It wasn't a typical like LeBron James game. There wasn't that typical excitement there. There were a lot of Laker fans in the crowd. Michael Malone certainly took notice to that in his postgame comments. But it just didn't seem to have the same aura as a Lakers
3: game with LeBron James. And I think the Nuggets probably deserve credit for that, no? Yeah, I think they deserve a lot of credit. Um, I mean, they they just put their foot on the Lakers' neck and didn't let up at all the Lakers scored 21 points in the third quarter. If they scored 14 points in the fourth quarter, 35 points in the second half, 35 points in the second half. I mean, it was just a complete bloodbath. I mean, Malik Beasley, I mean, I'd have to look up what he scored in the second half, but I mean, man, he, he's, he was so good. I mean, Malik Beasley just killing the Lakers, not something I saw coming. So another great performance from the bench. Um, A really good night from the draft class of 2016, by the way. True. Um, And just a really fun night at Pepsi Center overall.
0: Yeah, Malik Beasley had 13. A team-high 13 points in the second half. Five of six from the field in 17 minutes. Got a steal as well. Hit one of two uh, from three. Yeah, he led the way in that third quarter. So let's talk about the bench because, in my opinion, if we're ranking storylines from this Nuggets season... Number one is probably the defense, right? Third-ranked defense on the year, Denver returning 77% of its minutes from a year ago to vault up from a bottom five, bottom 10 defense, depending on what defensive rating you're looking at, into the top three. I mean, that's just unprecedented. That's crazy. It's crazy. That probably deserves to be the number one storyline from this season. Second, though... I think you got to put the bench in there. I detailed on bsendeavor.com earlier this week, and it's a free article. So even if you aren't subscribed, you can check this one out. But it's just a taste of what you guys are missing out if you're not subscribed. But I looked at every team's bench unit, every team's most used bench unit in the league this year. The Nuggets are by far and away not only one of the two most used bench units, but one of the most efficient, too. One of the best on the offensive and defensive ends of the floor. So the defense has been so impressive. The bench, though, the chemistry that those guys have had, the level that they're playing out on both ends, that's been right up there in
3: terms of storylines, for me. Yeah, I agree with you that that's the order of you know biggest developments so far a quarter of the way in into this season, the defense and then the bench. You know, Malik Beasley and Wancho Hernan Gomez – they look like NBA rotation players at the very least moving forward. Um, I'm ready to say that after you know watching these 20 games, Wancho has looked great in, in the starting lineup, shooting the three at an elite level. Uh, he's gotten a little bit better on defense, crashing the glass like we thought he would. Malik Beasley has made a lot of strides this season. I think Tuesday night was his best game in the NBA so far. Guys' athleticism is off the charts, and the game's slowing down for him a little bit too. You can. You can just tell Malik Beasley realizing that, oh, I need to be more mature and, you know, be a little bit more consistent about doing my work to, to really make it in the NBA. I think he's sort of figuring out what it takes to carve out, you know, a 10 or 15 year career in the NBA. I mean, we're seeing him kind of mature before our eyes and he still has a ways to go, but I think we're really seeing strides there too.
0: And I think what most of all stands out about Malik is this year, you can definitely see it clicking in his head that hey if i play my role for this team if i play my 3 and d role in you know the 15 to 25 minutes that i'm going to get that might not be as much as i want to play and i mean we know from talking with Malik Beasley he wants to be in a starter he wants to be a starter in this league he has aspirations much higher than the reserve role he's playing off the bench but you can see it clicking in his head this year if I do my job, I'm at least going to get on the floor every night. If I defend my butt off and if I knock down shots and I just just play within myself, I'm at least going to get on the floor every night. That's, for me, what's really clicked about him this year. The thing with those two, with Wancho and Malik also, is that when you have a lot of high-usage guys on the team, when you got guys who are going to score like those do, and you can throw Paul Millsap into that bunch too, when you got guys who are going to score 20 points a night, like all three of those, or four of those guys are capable of, you need guys to like fill in the gaps, right? And Wancho and Malik are two really nice guys for the Nuggets to have fill in a lot of gaps. Guys who can knock down shots, guys who are just going to play their role, stick to their role, move the ball, and that's also why I feel like they're coming together so well.
3: Yeah, I think that's a great point, and they're different in that Wancho immediately understood you know, how to fill in the gaps, like you said, just take the open three when it's there, keep the ball moving, um, hit the offensive glass a little bit. Malik Beasley has definitely had to learn how to do that. I think he's probably the number one scoring option on his team from like five years old till that one year at Florida State when he averaged 16 points a game. So he had to do a lot of rewiring in his brain and his game, and I think he's doing a pretty good job of that so far this season. You know when you when you talk about the defense overall Denver being what what is it second third in defensive efficiency right now I believe they're third right now third and the bench um those are kind of they're sort of related storylines in some ways too because I mean look Paul Millsap I think is the biggest reason why this Nuggets team is defending at an elite level it all starts with him there's more buy in you know from top to bottom but think about that that bench unit plus Murray that, that Denver throws out there, there are three plus defenders in that group. Uh, Monte Morris is a plus defender in my mind. Malik Beasley is a plus defender. And Mason Plumley is definitely a plus defender. I, I kind of look at Trey Lyles as a neutral. Uh, Jamal Murray, you know, somewhere between a negative and a neutral, depending on the effort level he's given that night. But, I mean, the bench is defending so well, I think, when they're out there together. And, look, that bench
0: unit you know who isn't out there with the bench unit? Paul Millsap, right? And we usually credit him with kind of being this catalyst of the Nuggets defense. In my mind, he could be a Defensive Player of the Year candidate if the Nuggets finish top three in defense. And typically, the best defender on a top three unit is at least going to be under consideration. So he probably should be in the running if Denver finishes that high. That's still to be determined. But he's not out there with that group. Now, that group with Mason Plumlee, with Trey Lyles, Monte Morris, Malik Beasley, and and Jamal Murray, there's not that catalyst on defense to inspire guys to play better and to clean up other guys' mistakes. Mason Plumlee can do that to a level, but not to the extent that Paul Millsap does and that's why I think, and I touched on this on Tuesday's show, but how much credit does Michael Malone deserve for this defensive uptick, especially with the bench, right? Because we give Paul Millsap a lot of credit with the starters. What about the bench though? Because he's not out there and you got all these young guys who are playing consistent roles when it comes to Monte Morris and Malik Beasley and uh, Wancho's with the starters now, but those guys are playing consistent minutes for the first time in his career.
3: How much credit does Michael Malone deserve for this? It was funny, you know, I asked him about the defense before the game. He was like, you know, it's been really good, but we haven't done anything yet. We were good after 15 games last year, and then, you know, we were terrible at the end of the year. And then you ask him after the game about the defense, and he's like, this is who we are now. <laughs> and he was all fired up, and he should have been fired up. That was, that was a hell of a win, you know, over, over LeBron's Lakers. I yeah, mean, the I Lakers totally who get it, but. The, La-
0: the Lakers who I believe were the twelfth best offense in the league before this game, and I know they're missing Rajon Rondo, and their offense has tanked without him this year. But but still, to hold them to eighty five points, under forty from the field, five of thirty five from three, and yes, the Lakers missed a lot of open threes, but still, Denver's defense was there. It was impressive. Sorry,
3: go ahead. Oh, you're fine. Yeah, it was it was funny to just to see that change, and then Jamal Murray, you know. It, was kind of asked a similar question like, "Oh, are you guys a defensive team after the game?" And he's like, "Nah, I mean, we're we're still an offensive team. Like, it's good that we're defending a lot better than we have been. Um, I don't know. I just think it's funny what certain members of the team view their identity as.
0: That was that was a funny comment from Jamal. Uh, he's not buying into defense as being their only identity. I think it can be an identity, but he's still envisions this team as an offensive team I think
3: yeah I mean I do too down the road but they're they're playing with balance which is the most important thing and we know that you know if you want to have go deep deep into the playoffs you got to be top 10 in defense efficiency and offensive efficiency that's what it takes to contend for championships down the road Um,
0: (laughs) but going back to Michael Malone his comments after the game I asked him to think back to... Remember what he said after that Golden State win? And he was like, you know, this is the defense I dreamed about having. This was, of course, earlier in the season, but this is when the Nuggets were stringing together a couple really quality defensive performances, holding the three first opponents of the season under 100 points. He was like, yeah, this is a defense I dreamed about, but sometimes I still have nightmares about this defense. And I asked him after this win, do you still have nightmares? He didn't quite answer that, but he said it was embarrassing for me as a defensive coach three years here to have bottom 10 defense. You know, to be a guy who's, well, he didn't say this, but this is you know what he was referring to. To be a guy who came up with that label as a defensive coach who helped craft these really good defenses in Cleveland, in New Orleans, in Golden State, and then to come here and have my defense be crap, like that's embarrassing for me. And so for him to finally have a defense that's clicking on all cylinders – yeah, I think that makes him feel really good. And I think he deserves a ton of credit for this defense and how the Nuggets are playing this year. I mentioned the stat a couple minutes ago, but the Nuggets returned 77 or 78% of their minutes from last year. And to go from a bottom 10 defense to the third best defense in the league with the same roster intact is its unprecedented, really. And uh, if you're putting together a coach of the year ballot right now, his name's got to be near the top, right?
3: Yeah, I think so. Um, that was a really interesting comment. You know, Malone it clearly just frustrated him to no end that, that Denver was terrible on on defense year after year, and you could just see it after certain games last year that the steam was almost coming out of his ears. And even games they won in some instances, when they would give up, you know, one fifteen or one twenty, he just you could tell it just irked him to win that way. Um, so there's just so much more buy-in from from top to bottom this year, and. I really wonder if when we look back a couple years from now, did Denver narrowly missing out in the playoffs two seasons in a row, was that actually the best thing for them? Because maybe if they snuck into the playoffs one of those years when they were playing great offense but terrible defense, maybe that would have convinced them that that was good enough to get it done and maybe coming up short twice in a row convince them that, hey, it wasn't.
0: Potentially, we talked about this earlier this season, maybe that losing Game 82 in Minnesota – lit a fire under these guys, and there was maybe a bit of a relapse when they lost 6-7, of but still, all along, I think I was saying that, you know, they were losing to good teams there. They were playing three, three three-and-a-half quarters of pretty good basketball. I felt like they were still moving forward as a team in that stretch, but, yeah, maybe that was what we look back on, you know, down the road if this team keeps climbing as uh, a turning point for sure. Do you remember last year when, I believe it was in January or February, right before that stretch run when the Nuggets were really getting things in gear, and they were winning with offense, right? It was offense only. They were one of the worst defenses in the league over this, I think it was like a month span or something, 29th or 30th in defense, and they were putting up 120, 130 points. And Michael Malone had this quote at practice one day where he said something to the tune of, I'm questioning my whole existence and being as a coach because I've stressed defense my whole career. Defense is the key to winning championships. Defense is the key to building a contender. And here we are winning with our offense. It, it's crazy how things have kind of flipped in seven, eight
3: months. Yeah. I mean, he was just going through an existential crisis right before our eyes. That, yep. that was pretty close to what he said. Like he was questioning his whole being basically when there they were Winning, you know, 125 to 121 for two weeks straight there, it felt like. So, you know, playing like this has got to be a lot better for his health as well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he seems like a happier guy right
3: now. Yeah. Oh, no question. He
0: seems a bit more casual. He was, I mentioned on uh, Monday show how chipper everybody was at practice. So I wasn't terribly surprised that they came out with an edge on Tuesday. But Michael Mullen looks at ease right now. He's rocking the no tie look, more of a casual look. So uh, I think he's kind of at peace with things right now.
3: Yeah, I mean, do you know what that post-game press conference after the Lakers was like? That was like the coach press conference version of Stephen Curry pulling up for 35-footers. Just (laughs) heat check after heat check after heat check, and all of them were going in. I think we
0: knew it was coming, too. We were prepared for it, I think.
3: You could tell he was hot. He had that look in his eye.
0: Yeah, he certainly did. Before we move on, we got some questions to get to from the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. Fresh off the win the other night. Got to tell you guys about an old friend of the show, Inwego. I'm sure you know by now, but Inwego is Denver's best subscription that allows you to go to as many events as you can in Denver around Colorado for $39 a month with no additional costs or fees. You heard that right. No additional fees on Inwego. Hundreds of events for $39 a month. Recording this late Wednesday night, but earlier tonight I was at the CU Buffs basketball game down in Boulder. They beat Portland, courtesy of Inwego. Of course, you have concerts at Pepsi Center, Gucci Mane, Avalanche games, CU versus CSU basketball this weekend in Boulder. If it's going on in Denver, if it's going on in Colorado, there's a good chance that In We Go can get you in. It's not just limited to sports and concerts too. You got beer tastings, food festivals on the weekend, exclusive stuff that you can only get into with In We Go. Here's where it gets really good though. We've partnered with In We Go to give BSN listeners an awesome deal. How it works. You got to go to inwego.com backslash BSN, or you can download the app for free. You also got to use promo code BSN50 when you subscribe, because if you use promo code BSN50, you're going to get 50% off your first month. So you're going to get all those events I mentioned, hundreds more in Denver every month for under 20 bucks during your first month. Try it, and you're going to fall in love with it. So remember, go to inwego.com backslash BSN, or you can download the app for free. And use promo code BSN50 to get
3: your first month of In We Go for under $20. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by Total Beverage. Harrison, we're sitting there on the bench watching warm-ups, uh, watching Jamal Murray specifically go through and do his thing. And, and I remember saying to you that I, I thought Murray was going to have a, a pretty big night, and I don't think that was going that far in a limb. Murray always plays well when his opponents uh, despise him a little bit. I don't know. He, he seems to get up for the, those games that there's a little bad blood. So yeah. it wasn't that crazy of a prediction, but Murray came out just as I expected, and and he, he got another petty act in there too. Uh, he caught this overhead pass in the second quarter, pump fake KCP, went flying past him, and, and then he waved goodbye. What did you think about that one?
0: I thought it was petty, but... It was also perfect from Jamal Murray. I love a petty Jamal Murray. I love a cocky Jamal Murray. Uh, that's when he's at his best, I truly feel like. And when he's not feeling himself, when he's not the ultra-confident guy that we've seen him at most of the time for the past couple of years, that's when he doesn't play as well. I truly believe that. When he's has that confidence to you know, take those pull-up threes, to you know, shoot when he's open, to not pass up shots, just to play free, and play his game. I feel that's like when he's at his best. When he's not playing well, it's usually because he's kind of overthinking. And I, I definitely feel like playing the Lakers, pre- playing Lonzo Ball, playing Luke Walton, playing LeBron, who he loves to play, playing against the Warriors, playing against his favorite player, Steph Curry, that stuff gets him amped up.
3: And uh, I feel
0: like it brings out the best in him.
3: Yeah, I think there are times when when Jamal's confidence you know, it gets them in a little bit of trouble, but, but I do agree that in the aggregate, I think it's a good thing. And, you know, what I think it, it's perfect because there's this, this nug life sentiment around the team it's, that's kind of fading away. And, you know, Jamal Murray being kind of a, a cocky a hole, and I mean that in an endearing way, is one of the things that, that makes that fade away and just makes the Nuggets become something new.
0: I touched on this in a column I wrote on bsendever.com right now based off of Michael Malone's take-that-L comment after the win over the Lakers, and also based on Jamal Murray shooting for 50 points against Boston, and what those two comments kind of represent, or not those two comments, but what Michael Malone's comment and you know, Jamal Murray shot the buzzer kind of represented to me was like, the Nuggets are saying that they're legit, and you know they're not this kind of fairy tale and uh, this kind of team that's just hanging around in the top of the Western Conference and that's going to fade away over the next couple months. They want some respect. They want to be treated like a playoff caliber team and they're kind of this Western Conference disruptor right now and this kind of agitator that's trying to break up the law and order that we've seen in the Western Conference for the past few years with Golden State and Houston at the top and Utah and San Antonio and Portland in there. Look, the West is wide open after Golden State this year. It is wide open. Utah's in trouble, I think. Uh, I thought they'd turn it around. I thought they'd be back in the thick of it by now, but they've got some problems, I do believe. And you know they think they have some problems because they just went out and traded for Kyle Corver today so you know they're at least a little bit concerned but I don't know about San Antonio Uh, I don't know about Houston I think Houston will still make the playoffs and whatnot I'm not sure they're the shoe-in for the two seed like we thought they were to begin the year and even I thought they were maybe a couple weeks ago but the West is wide open and the Nuggets are right there Uh, they're legitimate and they want to be respected as such
3: yeah, I remember when the Nuggets blasted Utah a couple of weeks back. Woj, you know, was sitting courtside for that game. He sent out a tweet that something along the lines of, "Oh, the Nuggets are going to be a, a problem in the West for years to come." And then the Nuggets, you know, kind of went on that skid there. But man, I am feeling almost a, as confident in Denver as I did after that game against Utah, which was you know, one of the, you know, one of the high marks of the, this very early part of the season. But you know, to beat two teams that are probably going to be in the playoffs in the West. Um, a team with Russell Westbrook and then another one with LeBron without two starters and yeah. Gary Harris and Will Barton is incredibly impressive and something that, that does hint that the Nuggets are legit and that they have this crazy depth. I mean, I didn't think there was any way they were winning these two, you know, without Barton and Harris. Uh, I predicted a loss right before the game just because I, I thought they couldn't do it and they killed him.
0: Yeah, we got a question about that very topic on the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. Let's go there right now.
1: Hey, this is Chris and Denver, calling after a pretty big win. Uh, pretty impressive effort. I, I don't, uh, I, I don't know what's uh, what, what's there left to say that Michael Malone hasn't. Um, they're favored by three, one by thirty-two. What can you say? Uh, what, I, what I want to ask you about the most is they won back-to-back games without Gary. They've been missing Barton for a while now they've missed Gary for a couple of th- games, and they've still won uh, I don't know what do you think that says about that the, the team and what do you think it says about um where they're going uh forward i mean i think I think it's pretty obvious that Barton and Isaiah need to play i mean i it's pretty easy to see how they'd fit in and what they could do for this uh for the scoring how they could provide some microwave offense and you know how they could form, you know, a, like a, a second and a third death lineup to really, um, to really just put the, to really just break a team's back or come back from a bad deficit. What do you think Ballone does in his balancing act? Um, do you think TC and the boys trade anyone? And if so, who? Uh, personally, I know Isaiah hasn't played a minute on the floor yet, but I already want that guy back next year. Just watching Malik Beasley, uh, I want him long-term, too. He's such a versatile wing. He's, his game has improved so much. He was a first-round pick at age 19. And I think he was picked 19th, too. Just one year at Florida State. Probably the best athlete on the team. And now it looks like the the mental part of the game is really coming together for him. And you could, you saw the results tonight. I mean, that guy's good enough to start for some teams. Uh, just wondering what your thoughts are when everyone gets healthy. Um, obviously, that's a great win. <laughs> Nothing more that uh, Mike Malone or the finals score hasn't said. Oh, here's one interesting nugget, actually. Devon Akun Purcell had a higher plus-minus than LeBron James tonight. Uh, that's uh, something, something I found pretty interesting. But anyway, thanks for your time. Keep the great work. Love the show. And as always, no nuggets.
0: Thanks for the call, Chris. That was a great set at the end about uh, Devana Coon Purcell's plus-minus, who I think will make his G League debut December 1st with the Delaware Bluecoats. Keep an eye out for that. He was just sent down the other day. So, yeah, let's go back to what we were saying and, and what Chris was asking about Gary and Will Barton being out. I was a bit surprised that they held Gary out considering when you look at these three games coming up, This Laker game, and of course, this is speaking before Tuesday night, but you had the Laker game, the Trailblazer game, and the second game of this road trip in Toronto. You would think that this Laker game is the one where they would have the best chance of winning out of those three. So maybe you get Gary back for that one to try to win that game or, or lock that game in as much as possible. But turns out they didn't need Gary. Turns out they didn't need Will Barton for this one either, just like they didn't need him for the game in Oklahoma City. My question for you, actually, two questions. Who's more important to the Nuggets, Gary Harris or Will Barton? Because I believe they're both integral. Uh, I don't think this team can come close to reaching its ceiling without either one of those guys. But my question to you is, who's more important, Will Barton or Gary Harris? And second part of that question is, who is your first quarter of the season most valuable player for
3: the Nuggets? Uh, First part of that question is pretty easy, and Gary Harris is more valuable to this team just from what he's able to do from a two-way perspective, and I actually think, you know, their impact on, on offense is pretty similar. I mean, Gary is definitely a more efficient scorer, but I think for what Barton brings to the table from a playmaking standpoint makes them, you know, almost the same in my eyes in offense, but Gary is, you know, a much stronger defender than than Barton, I think, from what we've seen in Nuggets' uniform. So I think it's pretty clearly Gary. Um, I'd and, agree with you there. Yeah. And as for MVP of, I guess, the first quarter of the season, oh my god, that's a that's a really tough question. Um, it's a tough question, but I think
0: it's Nikola Jokic. It, it's a tough one because you know Nikola Jokic hasn't put up the gaudy stats that we might have thought he would, but. I still think it's pretty clearly uh, Nikola Jokic is the MVP of this team. Playing less than 30 minutes, you know, even less than he did last year. He played 32 and a half minutes per game. He's playing 29.3 this year. Why? Well, I feel like the emergence of Mason Plumlee might be a reason why. There's also been some blowouts here in fourth quarters where he hasn't played a ton of fourth quarter minutes. Like, what, are, what were the Lakers, the third team that Denver's beaten by, like, 20-plus points this year? So there have been some fourth quarters where he hasn't played. He hasn't put up the gaudy counting stats that we probably projected him to, but I feel like he's still pretty clearly the team's most valuable player. Second, though, you could probably make a case for Paul Millsap, to be quite honest.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I was going to pick between Jokic and Millsap. <laughs> Mitchell has been so darn good at, you know, I I almost think about it, but I would probably have to go with Jokic too. The only thing that gives me reservation is this this scoring slump that Jokic has been on lately. Um you know, he's he's just hasn't looked that aggressive shooting the ball. His three-point shot has kind of deserted him in the month of November. Though He did get going in the third quarter against the Lakers, but even with all that, you know, I I'd probably agree that that what Jokic does in other areas of the game makes him um, more valuable. I mean, no one else on this team can even come close to, to doing the things Jokic does playmaking-wise, and that just unlocks so much for this team. Right.
0: What were you saying about Gary and Will Barton and their impact on offense? That was pretty interesting, I thought, because I would almost agree they might have a similar impact, but they do it in completely different ways, right? Will Barton's the Nuggets burner. He's the guy you can just go to when you need a bucket one-on-one, clear out the whole side for him. Like, Gary can do that too, but he's much more integral to the Nuggets' flow and the Nuggets' rhythm on that end of the floor. So They're both incredibly important on offense, I think, but how they kind of make their impact is a little bit different. But what does the Nuggets winning without those guys show? Well, it shows how deep this team is. And it's funny, a lot of times, and I've heard this from fans, Tim Connolly has been chided for having too deep of a team, right? Have you heard that too? He's been kind of knocked for assembling a roster that's 12 deep, which some fans have come at me and said is the wrong thing to do because then you don't really know who you're going to play. You don't know who's in your rotation, who's out of your rotation. I think this year shows that, that stance is wrong and that you you should probably still try to assemble as deep of a roster as you can and, you know, have 12 guys that are NBA caliber rotation players because injuries will come up. And when you have a deep bench like the Nuggets have, you have nine or 10 guys that can play on a night-to-night basis. We've seen how fruitful that can be.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a good problem to have. I, I am really curious how things shake out when IT comes back, though, um, because I, I just don't know how you can yank Monte Morris out of the rotation right now with how well he's playing. I mean, Monte is fifth overall in, in minutes on this team. That, that's how, you know, I guess that's one crazy way statistic. how valuable he's been. Um, you know, he's got the second-best individual net rating of guys who have played regular minutes. Monte is just so valuable for what this team does. And, and I mean, he, he's, I think he's pretty clearly the second-best playmaker on this team and the only true point guard that they've got. I, I just don't know how you can take him out of the rotation.
0: Where does Monte Morris rank when you're looking at Nuggets MVPs right now? Let me take a stab at this. Nikola Jokic, Paul Millsap, Gary Harris, Monte Morris?
3: Is that crazy? No, I don't I don't think so. I mean, I think he's right there with Mason Plumley, I'll say that. Sure. Sure.
0: Mason Plumley's been huge too. But Monte Morris, look, another seven assists, zero turnover night against the Lakers, you can just pretty much mark him down for that. On pace to not only set the record for assist to turnover ratio, but blow it out of the water. And I'll say this, I will be stunned if Isaiah Thomas comes back and Monte Morris is not in the Nuggets rotation. I will be shocked if he's suddenly banished to the bench when Isaiah Thomas comes back. That would make zero sense to me. I would be very shocked if that's the route the Nuggets went. I don't know if he'll be playing 27 minutes like he did against the Lakers when IT gets back, but I'd be very surprised if he's not playing at least 20 a night.
3: Yeah. I mean, you have to find double-digit minutes for him every night. He's just been that good and you know, playing him next to Jamal Murray, I think, was a really good move from from Michael Malone. Yeah. That that bench unit plus Murray has really popped. Murray can just go out there and be the scorer and only worry about kind of that, that one thing on the offensive end. So you gotta keep getting the minutes and you gotta keep playing them with the Jamal Murray too in stretches, I think. Let's go back to the total beverage fan
0: hotline. Got a question about Nikola Jokic.
2: This is uh Frank from Fort Collins. Very excited about the the win tonight against the Lakers. Um, I was nervous um, coming in. I mean, with LeBron, you never know how it's going to go. But really impressive in all facets. Um, My question revolves around uh, the Joker. He just seems uh, disinterested, um, lacking energy uh, in, in terms of offense. Defensively, he's really impressed, and it keeps getting talked about. Um, where his hands are active, his positioning, um, on the court, um, being able to help and even stay in front of, you know, guards and, you know, even LeBron in certain cases, which is tough for anybody, and especially somebody like, um, Jokic, who's just not very athletic. So he's very impressive on defense, but it's almost like his offense is regressing, um, I know it's still there. He had games, I think it was you know, following Memphis and maybe the one before that or following, but I think it was a Nets game. He came back with uh, 37 points and 21 rebounds. So I know what he's capable of. It's just frustrating because we don't get that. And not that he needs to score 40, 30, or even 25 a night, um, but uh, it's just his effort level is lacking. Um, the, the Nets game this year, we see what he's capable of and then last year game 82 against Minnesota what he's capable of um he's just uh not giving the effort it doesn't seem like um that that he was giving before and just slower i was rewatching the highlights of the Milwaukee Bucks game last year the fastest triple double game and just how he how fast they were moving how quickly they were getting through the offense and how he was running to set a pick. He'd get the dribble hand off to Murray, and he'd roll hard to the rim. There's just much more effort and quickness, and he just seems like he's tired maybe. I don't know if he's disinterested. He's tired, what the deal is, but I know it's frustrating because I know he's capable of, and he's not performing up to expectations for me as a fan, and it's frustrating. And we're winning, so who cares? But I just know in the playoffs, this is not – going to be how it's going to go and we're going to need him to perform and score in the clutch. Um, that's what we, I think, expect of him. So I'm just curious your thoughts on that. Thanks.
0: All right, Frank, thank you for the call. And again, if you guys do have questions for the show, the total beverage fan hotline is 1-800-BSN-8394-1800-BSN-8394. 1-800-BSN-8394. If you've never called before, all it is, is an answering machine. Leave your name, leave where it called from, leave a question or maybe a hot take for the show. I'd say disinterested is the wrong word. He's certainly playing a different style on offense slightly, I think, than he played last year. He's definitely looking to playmake and distribute a bit more than he did a year ago. But here's the question I think Nuggets fans should probably have to answer right now and ask themselves. Would you rather Nikola Jokic plays like he did last year and has those 30, 35, 40-point games and the Nuggets have to enter a Game 82 winner-take-all game in Minnesota to make the playoffs or not? Or would you rather him play like he is now and put forth the defensive effort he is now on that end of the floor and have the Nuggets comfortably in the playoffs like they appear to be right now? That's obviously speculating a bit, but the Nuggets are winning, like Frank pointed out, and Jokic is playing this way. And I know it might cause some frustration in fans' minds because they know and we know he's capable of putting up a lot more numbers on the offensive end of the floor. But if the Nuggets are winning this way, and if they're accumulating a record they are right now, and if they do finish this season, say, fourth or fifth in the Western Conference with Jokic playing the way he is right now, is that better in the long run? It's a tough question to ask. It's a tough one to answer.
3: I I mean, I, I would rather have Jokic score twelve points in a game and and play a above average defense and, than have him score twenty-five and, and play poor defense. Right. That's um, the thing, right?
0: Maybe you maybe Nuggets fans, maybe the Nuggets have to relinquish and, and lower the bar slightly for him on offense. If we're gonna get this Team defense and this defense from Jokic.
3: Yeah, and I think there is a medium he can strike, and I think he can still be, you know, defended at this level and get like his 18 points tonight and do it efficiently. I, I do think Jokic is capable of that, but I think it's a valid question. You know, is is the effort Jokic is giving on the defensive end this season taking away f- from what he's able to do on the offensive end a little bit? I think there is a little something to that. I also just think Jokic just doesn't trust a shot completely right now. Um, I mean, I, I just think he's he's in a, a slump a, a little bit, and I think every player kind of goes through that a little bit. So, yeah, I think those are the two main factors I'm seeing on offense right now.
0: He is slumping. and His shot's not there. His touch isn't there right now. We're seeing him miss shots he's normally money on. Easy shots around the rim, Floaters from the paint. The shots he's... Sunk at record levels over his first couple seasons in the NBA. He's not hitting them at that elite, elite rate right now. I mean, he's shooting 46.8% from the field. It's by far the lowest he shot in his NBA career. He's shooting 32.5% from three. Uh, it's as low as he shot in 2016 17 before he shot up to 40% from long range last season. Yeah, you're right. He's not trusting a shot right now. I do think he can put forth this effort on the defensive end of the floor and still shoot the ball at the level he was last year though, right? Like those things, those things could go together, I would think.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's definitely capable of that. And we've seen it in brief stretches, but he just hasn't put it together completely yet, but absolutely capable of it. Incredibly talented guy and, Look, it would help them to get in a little bit better shape, too. Sure.
0: Let's go ahead and take another break real quick. We'll be right back on the BSN Nuggets podcast.
1: The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory. And then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain.
0: That is Arthur Jaffe a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and
1: hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits Arthur, and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out elixinol.com.
0: Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by Total Beverage. Here's the last thought I've got on this game, actually. Actually, two thoughts. Two thoughts, sorry. The first from a Nuggets perspective, and then I got one from a Laker perspective. From a Nuggets perspective, Torrey Craig has been inserted into this starting lineup over the past couple of games for Gary Harris. It's a move I was expecting Mike Malone to make. I'll say that. Starting in that game in Oklahoma City, I thought he'd match up Torrey Craig on Russell Westbrook. But it's proved to be a good move, I think. Torrey Craig's playing well. He's playing his role. He's another one of those guys, like I mentioned earlier, like Awancho, like Malik Beasley, who just need to fit into their spot alongside these higher-usage guys like Paul Millsap and Nicole Jokic and Jamal Murray. Torrey Craig's offensive rebounding, though, is something people should be taking a notice of. On the season, Torrey Craig is the best offensive rebounder in the league out of guards and forwards. Takeout centers, they're a bit of a different category, but Torrey Craig has the best offensive rebound percentage out of all guards and forwards. I think that speaks to just his mentality his workmanlike mentality. He doesn't really care what he's asked to do out on the floor. He doesn't care if he scores, just wants to contribute to winning basketball. He had eight rebounds against the Lakers in just 20 minutes. Two of them came on the offensive end. From a Lakers perspective, I think LeBron James had a comment earlier this week that JaVale McGee should be in consideration for Defensive Player of the Year. (laughs) And I do feel like some people around the country are taking the bait on JaVale McGee. They're taking the bait on McGee that he's legit. And maybe, you know, he's probably not Defensive Player of the Year material. He's probably not all defense material like LeBron says he is. But people are taking the bait that JaVale McGee is good. And he's not. He's not good. I'm not buying into it. I'm not buying into it. One minute, Nuggets torched him. Tuesday night, McGee played 16 minutes. He was terrible out on the floor. I'm not buying for a second still that he's any good. He's trash,
3: Christian. You've pretty much held steady on this uh, all year. I mean, you even said it after McGee went for 21, you know, in like the fifth game of the season. So I got to give you a little bit of the credit there. Uh, I mean, I think JaVale McGee-, McGee can be a fine player for you if you ask him to play like. 10 or 15 minutes a night. I mean, I I think if you're asking him to play in the 20s every single night, then that's not going to be a a sustainable formula for you at all.
0: I'm glad you're on my side. I'm I'm glad you're on my side there. A lot of people, a lot of people in Lakerland probably aren't. Here's how I want to end the show. You asked our good friend of the show Ranch Man a question
3: on Monday's show. What did you ask him Exactly. I wanted to know what he he did professionally because he seems like a a pretty organized guy. I mean, he's got his shit together. I, I just needed to know. One of our great callers that
0: hits up the Total Beverage Fan Hotline almost every show, a great Nuggets fan who's apparently been following this team since its ABA days, gave us a little peek into his life. So I want to play his call to take us out here on the BSN Nuggets podcast. And here's Ranch Man taking us out.
4: Hello, Christian and Harrison, Ranchman here. Christian, you switched it up on me. I called in to ask a question and you asked the question back. I think you wanted to know what i do for a living. I'm not sure this is broadcast worthy, but that's up to you fellas. The fact that you interact with your callers is one of the things that makes BSN so much fun. I love what Harrison, Christian, Ryan, Zach, and the other members of your organization do, uh, bringing uh, the topic of sports to the table. As for the ranch man, what's my back? Well, probably a lot different than you thought. I'm a 67-year-old retiree, or in my mind, 67 years young. I've been following the Nuggets since their ABA days and had season tickets for that last year of the ABA and their first year of the MBA. I have a CPA license, but I've placed it in retired status. I wasn't in public practice like a tax or audit practitioner. Uh, I was the director of finance for a closely held corporation for many, many years. Uh, my wife and I love to travel, both abroad and in North America. And I've been fortunate enough to experience some pretty interesting places as a result of this. But most of our gratification comes from being at home and enjoying the wonderful views we have, uh, enjoying our good friends. We live on acreage in central Douglas County, so we're fortunate enough to enjoy the great outdoors uh, all the time. I love to hike. You know, I can recall you talked about a Grand Canyon hike you did in the past year. You mentioned those old guys who just keep on going. I guess that's me. I'm not a fast hiker anymore, probably far from it, frankly. In September, I traveled to Europe and did the first three days of the Mont Blanc Trail in France and Italy. had to train pretty hard for that, and uh, even so, it was quite strenuous, steep, rocky terrain, beautiful countryside. In conclusion, I guess I'm the stereotypical accountant, but I'm very comfortable in my own skin. I'm Mr. Organized, and that's probably why you asked about my background. I try to think through my questions to the BSN listener line before I call. I don't want to waste your time. So that's the answer to your question as to who the Ranch Man is. I'm just another guy. I'm
0: out. Thanks for the call as always, Ranch Man. We love interacting with you guys. I can't stress that enough. I love meeting you guys at games, answering your questions, answering your tweets, answering your emails. That's a really fun part of this job for me personally. So... I appreciate learning a bit about you guys as well. That's all we got for today's show. We'll be back with another one on Friday. Talk with you guys then.
1: Hey, BSN fans, your favorite Colorado sports network has partnered with your favorite Colorado beer, and we're giving them away for free. But in true BSN fashion, we're not letting you go to some major chain for it. We want you to go to your local neighborhood bar and support a real Colorado business. That's why we've created the bar page, where any BSN subscriber can go in and get a free beer whenever they want. Just go to BSNBars.com and you can get one free Coors Banquet at any bar on that list. All you have to do is show the bar bartender the vip image on that page in your browser and you can retrieve a free coors banquet beer at any of those bars there are over 20 bars there you're sure to find one close to you it's bsnbars.com find a bar and get a free coors banquet on the house thanks for listening to the bsn denver podcast network